Welcome back everyone to Top Deck Insight. My name is Sam and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love Magic the Gathering and we have created this podcast to bring to you our enlightened conversations. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's get into the episode. Guys, Strixhaven is, uh, well, it's not out, but the, the full card list has been revealed. Both the like the main set and the commander cards are now all available. Uh, we've all had an opportunity to look through them. And I want to know what cards really stood out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk about general feel of the set. So, Sam... What's your general feel about this set? Without going into specific cards, yeah. do you, like what do you think? Is it a high-powered set? Does it look fun to draft? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, it will definitely be the one of the most fun sets to draft, I think, just because of the Strixhaven archives being part of the draft list. Mm-hmm. So you can draft things like Channel and Demonic Tutor, which I think is going to be hilariously fun. However, uh, on the contrary, with Standard... I don't. I think there's going to be a couple cards that will affect standard, and I, I just don't think it'll bring a whole lot to the table. Similarly to Ikoria, which Ikoria did bring companions, obviously, which are one of the most uh, powerful mechanics. But I don't know. I just, I feel like the only memorable card from Ikoria is like Shark Typhoon, and that's sticking around. And I feel like it's going to be the same with Strixhaven. We're going to get a couple cards that everyone's going to enjoy playing. Well, not enjoy playing, but everyone's going to use. And it's not going to be like Eldraine, where yeah. everything is used in Eldraine. Yeah, the whole um, set's still busted. Pretty much set, every yeah. mythic from the set that isn't banned is yes. still really, really powerful. Yeah, it has like the highest amount of banned cards in Standard, yeah. and it's still the best set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Wizards, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just think it. Will, I think Strixhaven will be not the most defining set, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's just going to be another cool little expansion. Um, I'm looking forward to it, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Sarah? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really cool set. Mm. But when I was trying to look for cards, when we did the cow time thing, I found it so easy to be like, "Oh, this card's really cool," or "This mm. card can be like that." I didn't really find that with this set. There was a couple that I thought I may put in some of my commander decks, but there was nothing really, really that stood out. However, I'm going to learn to draft probably with Strixhaven. So that's going to be yeah, quite maybe fun. yeah. I will have I a new opinion. Quite intense. Well, it's just it's the timing. Yeah. I'm going to try to yeah. draft. It, it looks like a good draft set. There are a couple of cards which have really stood out to me that look like they'll be uh, really powerful in draft um, because they're commons and uncommons that are pretty mm-hmm. powerful. Um, and I agree with you guys. I think that the set looks fun and, uh, you know, uh, but but it doesn't look... Like this, we haven't seen anything that looks really, really broken. Mm-hmm. Um, not when you, you know, you really look at it. Like when we saw Omnath, we kind of, we knew that Omnath would be busted. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually think Oko was busted almost right out the gate, but we didn't realize quite how busted until he actually started 
you know, seeing play. Yeah, and the reason for that was because Oko was overshadowed by Field of the Dead. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, like, the if it, the GP that happened, we weren't paying too much attention to it, but there was a GP where Eldrin had just come out, and I think 51% of the decks were Golos Field of the Dead, and 49% were Oko decks. Yeah. Yes. And it was that, that was it. There were two <laughs> decks in, like, yeah, the top 128 or something, which is ridiculous. Yeah, when you're playing back-to-back games of Magic. That would that, be so oh, boring. Yeah. Grueling, yeah. isn't it? So then, compared to Kaldheim, Sam, uh, do you think this set is going to be more or less impactful in, say, let's say, let's say in standard than Kaldheim was? I think Kaldheim was much, yeah, it's going to be much, Kaldheim is much more impactful, I think. Um, Kaldheim brought, like, snow mechanics, snow mm-hmm. lands, uh, which is a huge, powerful new mechanic not new mechanic but mechanic for standard it brought things such as what else did it bring goldspan dragon yeah that sort of took standard yeah. by the storm obviously it brought um the saltai ultimatum deck which is just raining heavy as one of the best decks in standard and that deck's only playable because of the the monocolored cards that it brought in boring clex and the, that that combos really well with planeswalkers things like that um yeah, we'll we'll see how how it happens, but I just don't think Strixhaven will be that impactful on standard as okay. Caldheim. What about Eternal formats, Sarah? Have you noticed uh, any major upgrades to, say, Pauper decks or anything like that? I haven't really looked for Pauper, so I can't answer that. But I have found a couple of things for my commander decks, maybe some of your guys, but. I don't know, nothing, nothing really excites me. The set excites me, and I think the set's cool. But there's not any cards that I'm like, oh, I have to get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to get gold, I wanted to build a deck with Goldspan Dragon just because I wanted Goldspan Dragon. There's not anything like that in this, mm-hmm. or any cards that I really, really want to put in any of my decks. The, so, yeah, there's not any particular, like, broken mythic that you really are excited to build around. No, there's cards nothing I'm going like to get, that. but there's nothing that I'm like, oh, I can't wait yeah. to have that. Like, I put... Proxy Vorenklex in my deck before Caldheim came out mm-hmm. <laughs> because I really wanted to put it in. There's nothing like that for me in this set. Okay, all right. I I agree. I think I'm the same. I've not seen anything in this set that has really really jumped out at me. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. I, I am inclined to say that it is a good thing. Um, and because I'm still looking forward to the set anyway. So what exactly is it that you're looking forward to about this set then? Is it the the setting, the flavor, uh, the story connotations? If it's not, you know, the busted mythics that you want to collect, <laughs> what is it about the set that you're looking forward to? I think it's just it's a cool story, and it's only recently that I've actually paid attention to what magic sets are and what they mean and the lore behind them. Like Eldrim was probably the first one I did that with. Then I didn't really do it for a bit, and then obviously with the podcast, I found out a lot more about cow time. And now we're in Strixhaven. So I, I think it's a cool set. I think it would, drafting, like we said, I've never done before. But I think it would be cool to build a limited deck with the set. But I, yeah, there's just nothing in particular mm. that I'm excited to add to decks I already have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's quite a few cards I've seen that will be great for Commander in this set. And I like that. Uh, of course, it's a really, really big time of year for commander players at the moment because commander c21 is out Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's huge if you've ever thought about building a commander deck the pre-cons are normally a really good place to start you tend to recently they've actually been really good value you get a lot of staple cards there's been some really good reprints and i have to say i think that the c21 deck lists look 
good. They look like fun decks. They look like they do some unique stuff. Um, they seem like, I, I would say, inspired designs. And I, if I were looking to build another deck, or if I were trying to introduce somebody to Magic or to Commander, I, I think that I could happily push someone towards getting one of the C21 decks. Um, but aside from that, aside from those decks which are all designed for Commander play, I feel like there are cards in the core set, sorry, in the main set, the Strixhaven main set, which have been designed with Commander in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, things like Secret Rendezvous, which is a white card draw spell yeah. for once, but hmm? for once. But, <laughs> but not because it's you and target opponent draw three cards, I think. It's terrible, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in in one-on-one formats, it's pretty much useless. But it's a powerful and fun card in Commander because... You get the you, politics going. Exactly, exactly. It starts to introduce, like, you can give it as a gift. You can give three cards to, to another player. And I like that. I, I'm actually really pleased to see cards in the main set that are probably terrible in a bunch of formats, but, but will be good in Commander. Um but you know not broken you know sometimes yeah. you see cards that are good one on one and then absolutely busted in commander because commander possibly you know has been overlooked or at least multiplayer formats have been overlooked in the design of the card uh i feel like what we're seeing here is the opposite we're seeing cards that are being designed to be barely playable in one on one but are actually uh, good options for commander and i, I like that I like that. There are plenty of cards that are good in one-on-one. The majority of Magic's cards are considered for one-on-one play. And so I, I like seeing cards that look like they've been created with multiplayer formats in mind. Okay. See, I I don't know, because I've always felt that it when they, when they specifically design cards for Commander and they put them into the standard, uh, the main set of Strixhaven, I... I always found that to be a weird design uh, because they do release Commander 21, which is essentially Strixhaven Commander. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, why is it not in that? <laughs> why is it not in Strixhaven Commander? And because it is going to be useless, like you know, in on Arena and well, not not necessarily, but mm. I don't know. I I always just found that was a weird play on their part. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like they they put Commander 21 which is tailored for Commander, so why not keep the cards tailored for Commander in the set tailored for Commander, you know? <laughs> but, but I think it's... I guess I know what you mean, yeah. but I, I think that the Commander sets, you, you know, to get those cards, you have to buy the pre-cons, right? So that's why I was going to ask, yes. is, are they available separately or is it only no, pre-cons? No, 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 so the, okay. yeah. In that case, that makes a bit more sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you want to have some Commander cards that are... Uh, I mean, they're not actually Commander cards, but... I could see Secret Rendezvous not becoming a Commander staple by any means, but I could see putting it into any Commander deck that is mostly white, uh, because unless you're playing at a really competitive level, if you're playing you know, in relatively casual, fun Commander games, then drawing three cards and picking one opponent, opponent to draw three cards with you is a fun effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a deck... I don't know if you can play it in that, but that has loads of cards like that, right? That are just not the best cards, but they're kind of fun and they pick another player. Um, I I wouldn't say that my deck's built around it. So There I, is one deck that has a few Eldrazi? cards like that. Is it Eldrazi? Yes, yeah. so I have a five-colour um, 
Eldrazi Devoid deck. And because it's five color, the theme is Eldrazi Devoid, and that's the the that's that comes first. Yeah. Uh, but I do like putting cards in there, which just seem fun to me. Things like Root Reaver Druid uh, and other effects, which benefit someone else at the table as well as me. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, I guess group hug effects you would call them. Um, I th- I just find that I, while I don't really want to build a deck around it. Um, having some of those cards in a deck can make a game more fun. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like introducing kind of political elements into my commander games, uh, like like introducing the monarch mechanic yeah. and uh, and having some select group hug effects to make friends uh, or enemies. <laughs> yes, friends yeah. and enemies. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I yeah, I, I probably wouldn't build a whole deck around it, around those kinds of effects. I think that would be a bit too much, but I do like these kinds of effects in Commander. Uh, so, let's talk about specific cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Both of you, tell me what what. Give me one card that you're really excited about for this set. Uh, it's called Semester's End. It's three and a white. For an instant. Sammy, do you want to read what it does? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, three and a white for an instant, and it reads, Exile any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of the next end step, return each of them to the battlefield under its owner's control. Each of them enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature, and an additional loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker. Yeah, so what is it about this card that you like so much? When I saw it, the first thing I thought was your Flicker deck, Josh. Mm-hmm. It would be great. I think it's a really great card anyway, but in that deck, it would be insane. As Flicker effects go, Semester's End at four mana value is, I think, one of the most efficient ones. The fact that you can exile your whole board for four mana and at instant speed mm-hmm. uh, is on the higher end of uh, flickering instants and sorceries. So this is definitely an ad for uh, any Flicker decks. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, slightly better than some of the other Flicker spells. I can't remember them all, but there are things like uh, Displace, which I think is three mana to exile two artifactual creatures, whereas Semester's End is four mana to exile as many creatures or planeswalkers. Yes. Um, so, you know, th- th- I wouldn't say it's objectively better, but it's definitely a better Flicker spell than, than some of the ones that are available. So this is definitely going in my Flicker deck, yeah. Mm-hmm. The reason I picked out this card is because I think, as yeah, as a Flicker spell, it's an aggressive one in that it comes back with the additional counters. So I think the, with that in mind, car, uh, decks like Mono White Aggro will use this as instant speed board wipe protection and, and kind of set up a kill next turn if anything. Yeah. Um, on the on the if you're on the play with mono white, you can turn four, hold this card up after playing your turn one, turn two, turn three creatures. Mm-hmm. If they board wipe, you've got powerful turn one, turn two, turn three creatures, and uh, which are swinging in for free. Um, yeah, it it kind of staves off board wipes, and that's kind of just what you need in yeah. aggro. So yeah. Can you can you afford to do nothing on turn four though? I with think the mono you white can. I, so. This is the thing. If they introduce in mono white specifically, if you can, if they introduce a few more flash creatures, they introduced Sigrid in the last set, mm-hmm. which is a nice flash creature. So you can hold that up in addition to holding Semester's End. 
um, just to put extra pressure on. And even if they don't board wipe you, it still might even be worth playing it just for the counters. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you do kind of have your strongest creature at three mana no matter what, or, or more of the Skyclaves at three mana. Uh, with this card, it would probably just be playing creatures. But yeah, you usually have things like a... Uh, what would you have on three mana? On three mana? Uh, Heliod. Heliod, there's Raidane, or Raidan. Yep, Raidan, Raidane. <laughs> that kind of in itself stops time for board Skyclave, wipes. Apparition. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah that could be worth yeah. flickering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it would just be a nice little aggressive curve card, essentially. Yeah, I can see that. I think that you do lose any 1-1 counters that you've already got. So the nut draw for the mono-white decks is like... Uh, Selfless Savior into Luminarch Aspirant. Mm. Uh, but you lose those counters from Luminarch Aspirant, whatever you decide to flicker. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I can see, I mean, there's, there is a downside, you know, it, it's not uh, just a snap straight into the, the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder whether this will push Azoria's control a little bit higher. Oh, is it Creatures and Planeswalkers? Creatures, creatures and Planeswalkers, ah, yeah. okay, yeah. So if it was yeah. permanence, like then, Yorian is, then that, that would be nuts. That, that would I, be I think that could be really good. For like, a Yorian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it being in white would mean that it would be harder for the Salty uh, Ultimatum decks to use that. But mm. we're discussing a card that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since this can only target Creatures and Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, let's move on from that. Yeah, let's move on from the card that doesn't but, exist. Yeah, Semester's End looks good. I, 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 admittedly, I don't like the flavor of this card. You know, yeah. Like a lot of the flicker spells are ephemerate, ghostly flicker, displace. Mm. That all makes sense. It's all it's going out of existence and then coming back in. Semester's End seems really dramatic. Well, <laughs> it's like they're they're leaving school because semester's over and they come back. But they stronger. haven't come back for the next semester. Yeah. Right? They're, they're leaving school. Life <laughs> ends. There is nothing. <laughs> the void. <laughs> they just they enter the the blind eternity. Well, if anything, well, to be return. fair, if I went to Strixhaven, I'd probably be quite upset when it was the holidays. Yeah, Strixhaven seems like, fun. It Maybe wouldn't be life, you know, ending. But I'd be a bit. I'm gonna go home and do what? Yeah. Not practice magic. That's true. That's that true. could be that could be the message that schools are trying to promote is that life is hell without school. <laughs> and there's nothing Stay to in look forward kids. to. And yeah, everybody's celebrating for semester's end. They <laughs> That's seem, funny. They seem very pleased. Yeah. In the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that maybe all the teachers celebrating though? Oh maybe. Because yeah. they're probably happy, right? <laughs> I feel like that looks like teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'd be buzzing. Yeah. Forty weeks of the year you're teaching magic. And then the other 12 weeks of the year, you're sitting home drinking wine. And they can probably do magic because they already know how to you do it. You would hope so. so. Exactly. <laughs> probably turn water so into wine. Fine. Although, is it possible that they've become teachers because they couldn't do magic? You know, those, those well, who can't, can't, those do, who can't teach. do teach. So are these, are these the sort of dregs of the magic society well, that, <laughs> that have did. decided to go and become teachers? We have seen the Dean cards and they're pretty powerful. That's true. They're pretty mm. powerful mages and the arc mages and the pledge mages. All the majors. Kinda. All the majors. Yeah, pretty not strong. something to be... I don't actually know if a pledge major is a teacher. Trifled with. Yeah. Um, what okay. about you? What, yeah. uh, cards? Cards, yeah. yeah. Cards. So, Pick a card. I think one card that I'm very excited to, uh, to get my hands on is Ecological Appreciation, which is a green sorcery. The mana cost is X to green. Uh, and it reads, search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names that each have mana value X or less and reveal them. 
An opponent chooses two of those cards. Shuffle the chosen cards into your library and put the rest onto the battlefield. Exile ecological appreciation. So I think that in Commander, uh, this is going to be a really, really great card. And actually, I think for the same deck, uh, my Flicker deck, my Flicker deck revolves entirely around enter the battlefield effects on creatures. And so this is kind of a, uh, uh, a six mana find six mana's worth of creatures and put them onto the battlefield. Um, and that's really, really good. That's really, really good in my deck. Uh, a, a lot of the creatures are, uh, are are three mana exactly. Like a lot of the ramp creatures, you've got things like Wood Elves and uh, Elvish Rejuvenator. Uh, but then you've got answers like um, Reclamation Sage, which can destroy an artifact or enchantment when it comes in. Or Eternal Witness, which is three mana and can return a card from your graveyard to your hand. So there is pretty much a three mana answer to any situation in that deck. And this card will allow me to tutor for two of them mm. and yeah. play them. Uh, so I, I like this a lot. Uh, I, and I, again, I like any card which has some interaction with one opponent, but not the others, especially in, in like four player commander. I think that just adds a little bit of spice. Bit of spice. Yeah. yeah. Who would you Who would you choose in that playgroup? So this is actually. I, I have a rules question about this. So it doesn't say target opponent chooses two of those cards. It says an opponent chooses two of those cards. Mm -hmm. So how is it decided? It's the same wording as Wishclaw Talisman. Wishclaw Talisman reads: once you've triggered its ability, an opponent gets control of Wishclaw Talisman. I feel like it should be a dice roll. Yeah, I was gonna, I feel, that's how we've done it before, right? I With think Wishclaw we Talisman. have, uh, but we've never actually clarified. What exactly the rules are? Is it is it random? Well, it's got, if it's not target, it has to be random, right? That's the, there's only two options. I suppose so. Yeah, if it's an opponent, how does the game decide that? Mm. If anything, it would have to decide with RNG. Yeah, I really like the artwork. Yeah. Logical appreciation. Yeah, just all these little like that's full art one as well. That's probably me, right? I'm surrounded by all the animals. Nah, Being you'd really be. Happy. Uh, oh, there's definitely some death around. You'd for be, it to be demigoth me. titan. Based on looks, I can't remember what it looks like, but yes. Well, that so. <laughs> Cheers, yeah, it's Sammy. totally you. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, I have five arms and five horns. Can't it's not about it. the features; it's about the personality that it it's radiates. It's about the presence that That's I have. That's the presence you I have. I mean, I'm okay with that. Let's move on to the next card. Yeah. Is, is there anything else you want to talk about with that card? What do you think of ecological appreciation? I think this card is terrible in standard, terrible in historic, really good in commander. That's it. <laughs> That's about it. I think it Summarized. is much much stronger in commander uh, because of that clause uh, where they have to have different names. Um, in standard, you're going to have to pick four different cards which have different names and the same mana value. Now, in, in in standard... Is it the same mana value? Yeah. Uh, value X or less. Oh, X or less. Yeah. Okay, that, so that does change things, yeah, actually. Yeah, it can be that, three, two, and one. Yeah, that, that does change things. But I feel like you are, uh, you're, you're correct that the impact of this card is, is going to be a lot lower in, uh, in standard. You're not going to be able to find... Uh, if you build your deck around this card, it's just going to be a bad deck, I think. Uh, so yeah, I think definitely a good card for Commander, but I think uh, sort of 60 card formats uh, without the singleton rule, mm -hmm. not so much. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. What do you think, Sarah? I think the artwork is dope. I want to be her. <laughs> She's surrounded by all the animals, living her best life. Appreciating the ecolo- ecology. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Ecology. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think it won't be very good in standard, but will be fun in Commander. Mm-hmm. And it's not too breakable either. Uh, it gets exiled once the effect resolves. Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your wild cards on it, people. Yes, I would. Yeah, don't don't waste your wild cards on it. Hopefully, that also means if it since it's so bad in standard, standard, even though it is a mythic, uh, hopefully it will not be too expensive to pick yeah. up a paper, a paper copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that all of the cards that I've picked are kind of you know semester's end uh, or uh, secret rendezvous even and uh, ecological appreciation. They're mm-hmm. they're cards that are not so good in standard, but are better in. In, uh... I think Semester's End's going to be really powerful. I no, think... he corrected himself. To yeah, I didn't mean oh, Semester's End. I meant Rendezvous. I meant Secret bad. Rendezvous. I was just so intent on saying you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. I disagree. I'm going to build a. I'm going to build an ecological appreciation Secret Rendezvous. Do it. Semester's uh, End. Selesnia <laughs> standard deck, and do it. I'm going to grind all the way to Mythic with it. Please do. Heard it here first. All right. There we go. I'm going to pay four mana. I draw three cards, opponent draws three cards, nobody gets any card advantage. <laughs> you lose three mana, uh, basically. Yeah, yes. Literally. Massive, for just tempo loss. Uh, <laughs> unless you play it with Narset. Yeah. I'm going to pay six mana for an ecological appreciation, and I'm going to get a... Uh, let's see. Um, I'll get a Lovestruck Beast, mm-hmm. a, a Kazandu Mammoth, and an <laughs> Innkeeper, and a... Uh, a brazen borrow, I don't know. Um, yeah, put two of those back. Big impact. Okay. Six mana for a uh, Kazandu Mammoth and an Edgewall Innkeeper. Yeah. Right, I'll, I'll add one mana to that and cast an Emergent Ultimatum and win the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Yeah, doesn't quite work. Also yeah. sorcery speed. Yeah. Um. So... Has anybody got any cards that they've picked because they think they'll be really good in standard? Because, of course, all the cards that we've named so far, mm. uh, including Semester's End, aren't going to be good in standard. So has anybody got any cards that they think will be? Do you, do you want to correct yourself again? <laughs> <laughs> um, I maybe have one. Yeah. But I'm going to need you guys to tell me if it is good. Okay. So it's Test of Talents. Ooh, which one is that? that? Read it out. Uh, so it's one and a blue for an instant, and you counter a target instant or sorcery spell. Search its controller's graveyard hand and library for any number of spells with the same name and exile them. That player then shuffles their library and draws a card for each card exiled that way. Yeah, I, I do think that's good, actually. Terrible. So this, so this is why I wasn't sure, because what I thought was that like, you can counter something really powerful that mm-hmm. they're probably going to have multiples of and get rid of all of them. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know if the card draw would mean that it's not that good or That's exactly so pass why. it over to the people yeah. that play standard. Um, so, well, I, I think this is good specifically in the ultimatum matchup. Uh, I find that if you can shut down ultimatum, specifically ultimatum, then that deck, it just doesn't win. So in, in, in standard lately, I've been playing with decks that have a wishboard in best of one. And uh, being able to cast, uh, granted, the adventure side of Fae of Wishes for full mana, Wishing for a... Is it Deafening Silence? Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting that onto the battlefield? That, well, that's, that's the one that means you can't cast more than one spell. More than one non-creature spell per turn. Right, So, okay. Celti Ultimatum... Um, is it Emergent Ultimatum? Uh, counts as that one non-creature spell. 
Right, I um, see. And so they can't really cast anything, you know. They they, they, they realise what's going on. They pick Vorinclex and Valky. Uh, I put back the Vorinclex. Uh, so they pick Vorinclex, Valky, and then anything else. They don't have any other creatures. Mm. So they pick any other spell. I put the Vorinclex back. They get a 2-1. They, they pay 7 mana for just a creature Valky. And it has it works really well for me. Of course, they can answer it because they run Binding of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, Binding the Old Gods. Is that what it's called? <laughs> well, they're both cards, aren't they? So which, which, are you talking about so the Cowtime one? Yeah. That's Binding the Old Gods. Binding the Old Gods. <laughs> uh, they run Binding the Old Gods so they can destroy it. But I find, against the Ultimatum decks, if you can answer Ultimatum... They can, of course, still do stuff, but it's so slow. Like, mm. um, Kiora Best the Sea God is one of their win conditions. They didn't. It doesn't see play anywhere outside of standard because, uh, sorry, outside of that deck. Because if you're not casting it for free, it's not worth casting. And that's what that deck's full of. All the ways that it wins are ways that are arguably not worth casting if you're paying full price for them and it's the only thing you do that turn. So. Shutting down the ultimatum is my favorite way to deal with those decks. And Test of Talents does answer the ultimatum. So this is the thing with that. I have to disagree because I think the ultimatum decks... So let's say you answer their ultimatum, which you can do in a number of ways. You can run Fauna Gates in the main board. You can run... Uh, Roiling Vortex, which says whenever an opponent would cast a spell without paying its mana cost, they take 5 life, so they would take 15 damage. And if you're running Roiling Vortex, you're probably going to do 5 damage to them. So there's plenty of answers in standard already. And, you know, how come they haven't worked? And the reason is because it is just that good of a deck that I think it can, because it's ramp as well, you ramp up to ultimatum, you get to 7 mana or 8 mana, okay, you get your ultimatum countered, with this card and specifically, you get it counted and draw four cards. You're drawing four cards with eight mana on next turn. You can cast you can cast Tibalt, you can cast Cure Better so you got really easily. You can cast uh, you know, just one of your big bots, you can cast Aaron's Epiphany. I I just feel like it answering Ultimatum is one way to stop them winning straight away, but it just doesn't stop them winning. Yeah. Because, yeah, they... Even though, as you said, like no one plays QR Best of Seagull outside of being able to cast for free, I would still they can still cast it. The fact of the matter is they can still cast it and just take over the game. And, yeah, with the fact that this card draws them four cards if you're running four in the main, that's a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot of card draw. I think the other answers to Ultimatum in Rolling Vortex, in Deafening Silence, in uh, even... Is it Graft? Or what's the card that you can't cast spells from libraries. I think that is Grafdigger's Cage. Th- that isn't in standard anymore. Yes, uh, which isn't in standard. Weathered Runestone yeah. prevents you from playing from graveyards or libraries, but right. Ultimatum gets around that because you exile them, you exile them and play them from right. exile. And Dranith Magistrate, you can't cast spells from outside your hand? Anywhere from your hand, I think. Yes, yeah. which is... So that, that, that stops it as well. Yes. Yes, it does. So yeah, I think there's enough sort of ways to answer Ultimatum, and they do work, uh, and I just think they're just going to be more efficient than mm-hmm. that card because that card, as well as stopping ultimate, draws them four cards. Yeah, and that's a lot. And that's that's why I don't think that'll be 
too powerful in standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a cool card nonetheless. I agree. No, it is a it's a powerful ability on an efficiently costed card with a big drawback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will see. We we will have to see. Uh, I, I but I think in any other matchup. There's nothing that I can think of in standard yeah. that's worth hitting with it. Yeah, especially like, when they draw yeah. the amount of cards that you exile. It's just like standard decks will not generally be only focused on one of the instants or sorceries mm-hmm. that they run. Their standard decks will be able to. They're all about having just good cards in your deck, really. Yeah. So if you're if you're that that's why there's another card in uh, this set which I, I won't talk about too much, but effectively it, it, it was like a, a four mana kill spell, but it costs two mana if they also draw a card. And I think it's terrible because you're removing one of their things and they they draw about they draw from it. I think that one like it's just it's just not useful. I agree. I think that that card is a little overrated at the moment mm-hmm. because uh, killing a creature is a fine effect, uh, but getting your opponent a to draw a card off of it afterwards yeah, is it, like it's a lot worse than you think it is like i'm actually normally fine being hit by a shot of the sky even if like three or four of my creatures are destroyed if i get to draw a card off of it yeah like that's that's how important just drawing one card can be and when it's only one of your things being killed for one card draw it's just mm-hmm. it's not impactful at all i don't think yeah uh so yeah that's why i don't know i'm, I'm not too keen on that card uh test of something Test of, Test of talent. Test of talent. Sorry, sorry to. No, no, this was exactly why I wanted to bring it up <laughs> mm-hmm. because yeah. that is what I thought. I thought, oh, that's good. You can get rid of all of something that's bad, mm-hmm. but then they draw four cards, and that is also bad. Yeah. So this is why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I can't really think of what else you could hit with this. W- what about hitting a zenith flare with this? I the other day was watching. I think yesterday actually, I was watching some of the. Um, is it the MPL that was on yesterday? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a match between Andrea Mengucci and. Uh, another player who was playing cycling and yep. Mengucci was playing four color Doom Portal. Yes, I watched and this game. I I think I only watched the first get the first match. I didn't get to watch all of it. I don't know who won in the end. Um, I would assume Mengucci won. He lost. Didn't so he? Mengucci lost. He lost the first round. I watched that. Uh, it, it was was it it wasn't Lee Shi Tian. No, no it Ray was, Sato. Maybe? Ray Sato. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's right. Um, I think Ray Sato won. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. So. Before that match, uh, all the commentators were like, Mangucci's going to win this. He's got mm-hmm. four negates in the main board. That's four answers to four Zenith players. Got stumped. Yeah. Uh, he got rolled by it. So I don't know. I think Cycling has more than enough ways to finish the game with things like Improbable Alliance and Iron Craig Pyromancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Time on Flourishing Fox is what mm-hmm. led to Mangucci's demise in that mm-hmm. game. Uh, he kept a hand that was good against Zenith Flare, but bad against a turn one Flourishing Fox, and, and Ray Sato had that turn one Flourishing Fox, so he managed to get the leg up straight away. Uh, yeah. It was a really close game, actually. I think so. It did go to three games, mm. uh, and the third game was a really fantastic game of Magic uh, in the, the way that the both players made decisions. Mm. Uh, like, uh, Mangucci got hit by a couple of big Zenith flares in that game. He exiled Ray Sato's graveyard. Uh, he had multiple counter spells in his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, uh, you know, some pressure on the board. Uh, but both both players, it, it was a really really good game of Magic. I think mm-hmm. that that third one. But yeah, so that I think goes to show that if in that situation he exiled the Zenith flares or Zenith flares, I just don't think it would have been that important. Mm. So yeah. So maybe not. Maybe yeah. Maybe this isn't enough. Um, especially having multiples of this. Mm-hmm. So I think we've been we've been talking about sniping a an emergent ultimatum and sniping a zenith flare from your opponent's deck 
if you have multiple of this card what do you use yeah, it for once you've done it yeah. once yeah, yeah. The, the rest of them are really not great mm. like you against cycling you've gotten rid of the Xenia flares what do you counter next maybe they're boon of the wish giver and then they draw four cards <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> Counter they draw four cards, Bell. So they draw four so cards. Draw four card. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I think one. I, I can see this card being powerful, but actually, I, I think it's quite a hard deck, uh, a, a quite hard card to build into a deck. Mm-hmm. It very rarely has more than one good target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it asks the question: How many you run, and that that just starts to lower the card yeah. quality. In general. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is it worth even having it if it's yeah. got one target in your opponent's deck? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sam, what about you? Cards okay, that you think are gonna make big waves in standard or historic? Let's, we can talk about historic. Too. Yeah, we can. But I, the card that I picked out, I picked it out because it is only. I think it's only really gonna be played in standard. Uh, but I, I picked it out because I think it's a good talking point because the card is Strict Proctor, which costs one white for a creature, Spirit Cleric, which says flying. Whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless it's controller pays two. And it is a 1-3. So, obviously, this is a Hushbringer, right? Mm-hmm. Hushbringer is almost the same. Um, and Hushbringer, though, uh, yeah, so only there's, affects creatures. Yes, this, this is the thing. There's a huge difference in these two cards. Mm-hmm. And it's going to... I think they both have upsides and downsides that are going to... I think this card will give Hushbringer a run for its money. So one of the m- most important things is Hushbringer's stat line being a 1-2 uh, makes it really susceptible to Bonecrusher Giant, mm-hmm. which is one of the most rampant cards in standard right now. Um, and Strict Proctor, 1-3, gets around that. So, yeah. 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 Uh, and additionally, Strict Proctor reads whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability. Permanents such as... Uh, Omen of the Sea. Yeah. Yeah, Omen of the Sea. Enchantments, sagas. Uh, sagas is not. I actually read about the rules for this. Uh, so sagas is a law counter. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that is an ability that triggers from the law counter and not it entering the battlefield. Yeah, right. okay, good yeah. catch. Um, so it would be really good. I think if it did affect sagas, this would be really powerful and way better than Hushbringer. But as of right now, I wanted to bring it up because I don't actually know how to evaluate it over Hushbringer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when Hushbringer rotates because it's an Eldrain card, uh, this card will see play. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of yeah, as of when the set comes out, what do you guys think? Do you think it will see a play over Hushbringer or not? I think that in evaluating it, you have to look at where Hushbringer is played at the moment. And I feel like Hushbringer is only really played in the Mono White Life Gain deck. Mm-hmm. And that's because it has lifelink. This doesn't... Um, which I think is a good reason to play Hushbringer over this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Stomp is pretty big in the format. Against Mono Red, you know, you, you're still just as likely to have this die. Yeah. So would you bring? You wouldn't probably bring Hushbringer in against Mono Red. That's the thing. The, what, what yeah, deck but would, would you bring, you bring in, in Strict Proctor? It probably probably would just die against a Ramp deck. I think this is uh, actually. I think this is good. I think it switches off their Yorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so against Saltai Ultimatum again, uh, it turns off a turn five Yorian flickering a bunch of stuff, and actually that means they can't cast that Yorian and get its ability uh, until turn seven, or or maybe six if they're ramping, but uh, until they've got seven mana available to cast Yorian and pay the tax, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the turn that they want at Ultimatum. So. Uh, and if, if they do ultimate him, 
Uh, actually, no, there's nothing they cast off the ultimatum that's affected by the ETB. No. Um, but it does clog up their turn seven. You know, do they want a your Well, they, no, they, they probably would just ultimatum. So I think it slows things down. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it's designed to do. You know, it doesn't shut things off like Cushbringer does. Um, it slows things down, but in a very significant way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one's better. So the because the other list that I can think of that does play Hushbringer is not in standard. It's a historic. The historic auras list mm-hmm. uh, will play four of Hushbringer in the sideboard most of the time. Yeah, because they do run a really creature light de- uh, creature light deck list. Then he said another word. <laughs> um, really creature light deck list because they are running auras and their creatures are just ones that uh, read draw a card when you cast an aura. Um, so yeah like it's hard to evaluate whether or not they would play this card over hushbringer um because in historic you you bring it in against things like cat oven because mm-hmm. uh, every time the cat enters you can't you have to pay two for its ability to trigger or, or woe strider um yeah so it's i don't know it's difficult to evaluate this one i think this has a better type line with spirit cleric it being a cleric yeah uh means there's there's possible combo uh, synergy with stuff like Acquisitions Expert, which does see play, um, and is a rogue, uh, mm. and of course cares about party. So I, I think this being a cleric, whereas Hushbringer is a fairy, is probably better in standard right now that it be a cleric. Mm. Yeah, and once it, rotation does happen, obviously party will be staying around because of Zendikar yeah. and Eldring won't. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that that was why I wanted it is, to bring yeah, up the card. It's, a, it's definitely an interesting card. It's really, really, really awful to play against for my uh, my Rune Flicker deck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because Hushbringer <laughs> at least can be answered by playing an artifact or an enchantment. Uh, yeah, this, is, this, yeah. this, this shuts off everything. <laughs> but then you, you do pick it up, have huh? a lot of mana, though. Not if you get this down on turn two. That's true, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this, I can see that being pretty rough. Uh, okay, I have another one that I wanted to talk about that mm-hmm. interests me. Um, because, again, I, I find this one very difficult to assess. That's Bayou Groff. It's one and a green for a plant dog creature. <laughs> uh, it is a common that is important. And it is a 5-4. Yes, that is a two mana 5-4 mm-hmm. uh, at common. Its ability is as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three. So I find this difficult to assess. Of course, the, uh, the, the cost is high. In that it's two mana, well, it's either five, yeah, either five mana in total, or it's two mana and you sacrifice a creature. But a two mana five four, a turn two five four is huge. We've seen turn three five fives be huge uh, in in standard, in Lovestruck Beast, in Steel Leaf Champion. Before that, um, we've seen that be a really big deal. And a two mana five four is is close. It's it's nearly there and. This being a common, you know, I have all sorts of thoughts going on. Will this be good enough to play in Constructed? I think it will be really good for Limited. That's absolutely... Uh, I think mm. it's, it's just going to be a really, really strong, <laughs> really strong common. Yeah, really, yeah. Um, the fact that it's common as well is yeah, just yeah. easy to pick up. So does this C play in Standard? Does this C play in Pauper? Those are my questions. What do you guys think? Ooh, questions to us. <laughs> um, would you play it in your pauper deck, Sammy? Like, because 
Just thinking about that. So my pauper deck is mono green Stompy, but the list revolves kind of around one mana, not even one mana, two mana creatures. Uh, or creatures with power two, because it runs Savage Swipe, which is one of the best removal spells. Um, so it's difficult because I don't... The only creature I would want to sacrifice is the Eldrazi Scion, yeah. which I create from Nest Invader. And by turn three, is a 5-4 on the board actually too impactful? When my other creatures are like 2-2s two that have probably got enchantment with Rancor, so they're 4-2s, and, yeah, and that's Element true. Guide makes them 5-5s, five and I don't know, I've... I haven't. I don't know. Maybe it'll see play, but I, I'm just not too sold on this card without mm. any keywords. If it had trample, I could probably see it being played in Mono Green Stompy. Yeah. But just being a vanilla five four, not too big a fan of it. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I can understand that. I guess the question is, of course, Steel Leaf Champion and Love Struck Beast are rares. Mm. Would you play those in your Mono Green Pauper deck if they were commons? Well, obviously. <laughs> That's a weird question, right? Would, they, would, would you play a 3-mana 5-5 five five in that deck? Well, it's a 3-mana create a 1-1 one, one, and a 5-5. Five five. And also Edgewon yeah, Keeper is so a common, common, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, uncommon. Oh, it's uncommon. Okay, so you can't play Edgewon Keeper. Okay. Yeah. Still, I think... Yeah, the fact that it's an adventure... Yeah, yeah, they are definitely very, very different cards. Yeah. Uh, Love Struck Beast and Steel Leaf Champion... I think Steel Leaf Champion couldn't be blocked by creatures Can't with... be blocked by creatures with power, power 2 or less. Yeah, so that, that's a huge difference. Mm. And those cards are definitely much better than Bayou Groff. Mm. But would you play those in that pauper deck? See, the sacrifice cost is huge because your your turn one creature is either going to be a Nettle Sentinel or a uh, Quirion Ranger. Ranger. Yeah. With Lovestruck Beast and uh, Steel Leaf Champion, you don't have to sacrifice your turn one or turn two creature. With this, you're either playing it on turn three and sacrificing an Eldrazi Scion or mm -hmm. playing it on turn two and sacrificing one of your really good one drops. Yeah. So that's a thing to consider. Like you have to sacrifice a pretty good creature. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think I would play that over. I think that five fives. I think that in eternal formats as well, uh, you have one mana um, mana dorks, mm -hmm. and so if you had a Quirion Ranger, you could see a turn two Lovestruck Beast or a turn mm -hmm. two Steel Leaf Champion. Which is a lot better. I don't think Quirion Ranger can get you to three mana on turn two. Couldn't you play a forest, float two mana, trigger Quirion Ranger, put a f Oh you yeah, can't play the second part. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Lanoir Elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, with the Lanoir Elves or a Birds of Paradise or something like that. Uh, I guess Gilded Goose in standard. Um, with Gilded Goose and Standard, you could get a 5-5 five, five onto the board on turn 2, mm -hmm. um, which is better than a 5-4 onto the board on turn 2. Mm -hmm. You can't get this down any earlier. Uh, but I'm still not sure. I think... I don't know. I don't know whether this is a good card or not. Uh, I, I do think that it's quite a powerful common. Mm -hmm. I just don't know whether that's enough to get it into any pauper decks, and I don't know whether it's enough to see play in standard. But... It seems good. It seems good. Like it's just so overstated. It's it's a two mana five four, um, and that, that seems really good to me. Okay. Well, I think the card you could compare it to that's in standard uh, is the the white instant spell, which is one and one white for a uh, instant that reads exile target creature create a it's a controller creates a four four flying vigilance angel mm. or no yeah. I think it's just flying angel not vigilance uh, but either way. That's a two mana 
sacrifice a creature, effectively create a four-four flying angel. I feel like that is much better than a villain of five-four. The flying is huge, yeah, and it's in instant speed as well. You can do it on play a land. Wait, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, but they can't remove your creature because you can remove it in response. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that one's it's, it's effectively a four-four flash flyer over a five-four. So I okay. think yeah. that and that doesn't see play. So I don't know. So what about in sacrifice lists? Can you see anything along the lines of a Jun sacrifice list, which turn three claim the firstborn and then sacrifice the thing player by you, Groff? I don't think so because you'd have to run. I think you'd ra- I, in that situation. I would probably rather sacrifice the village rights and draw a couple. Yeah, of cards. you'd rather sacrifice the village rights, and even then. The Jun list right now is so optimized that it's so hard to cut cards from it right now. Yeah. Like, people have even started cutting Claim the Firstborn mm. uh, to play things such as... What's the list that they run? Um, like, Binding the Old Gods. They prefer that over Claim the Firstborn at this point because um, it deals with bigger things as well. And, yeah, like... Uh, I don't know. It's just, that, that list in Jun sack, there's no way it'll be able to play a 5-4 on turn three over a Mayhem Devil or a Worst Rider or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's a tough one. Uh, or maybe maybe it's not for some people. Maybe some people can just see this card is not great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, okay, yeah, I'll concede. I'll concede. I, I think this is probably not likely to see play yeah. in constructed decks. Uh, it will definitely be strong and limited, but I think maybe it's a little too weak for uh, Standard or for Pauper. Mm. And that's what this podcast is about, you know? We're evaluating the cards. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Um, does anybody else have any other cards that they want to talk about? I have another one that I think will be fun for Commander. Tempted by the Auric? Auric. Auric. Tempted by the Auric. Which is one and... Auric. Auric. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. One blue, blue, blue for a sorcery. For each opponent, gain control of up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls with the mana value three or less. Yeah, Does I, sound I think good. that's really fun. Yeah. That, that looks like a fun card. Maybe not for anyone else. Oh, no, no, but just, just like... But, yeah. to it's play... strictly more powerful in Commander because you get three things over one thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, that's a huge difference. Yeah, four, four mana, mana to steal one thing from your opponent is not really worth it, but no. four mana to steal three permanents yeah. is huge. It's going to be pretty powerful, I think. I think it's a fun card. Of course, it has a very difficult casting cost. It does. Um, maybe it sees play in mono blue. Maybe like Sakashima decks, which want to copy it. Orvar. Orvar decks, which want to copy it. Not not copy this, but copy the creatures. Mm. Um, yeah. Seems like a good card in Commander, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it straight up looks like a fun card. Uh, I think that one other thing I did want to talk about is lessons. So we talked about them in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. Uh, so without looking at any specific cards, has your opinion changed, either of you, on whether lessons are going to be really powerful in this set or whether they're just sort of going to flop? And the reason I say that is because we saw... Um, uh, so last time we spoke about it, I used the Adventures from Eldrain as an example where you had a bunch of effects that were slightly overcosted, and so they were underestimated. People didn't think they'd see a lot of play mm-hmm. because they were no better than effects that were already available in standard, except 
you know you could do what we you could do both and so yeah it was flexible and then i think what we saw was that the flexibility of those cards really did make them powerful uh and i see a similar thing in lessons uh it seems like with the learn mechanic being what it is lessons could be exactly what whilst definitely over costed uh some of them have decent effects but they cost a lot of mana uh but with the learn mechanic they are a silver bullet you know a remedy to whatever problem you are trying to solve at the moment is that going to be incredibly powerful like adventures or is that going to be pretty meh you know it, it, no more powerful than like foretell is a fine mechanic um i think mutate is actually the the other way around you you get a more powerful effect at the at the risk of stacking all your creatures together into mm -hmm. one which makes them pretty susceptible to removal and stuff um so it's almost less flexible i would say less robust uh the the line mechanic and the spells the the lessons that go with it seem like a, a kind of flexible robust answer to a bunch of different scenarios to me even if they are overcosted what do you guys think so i i'm i'm not sold on lessons just because obviously not looking at the specific cards but looking at the cards that learn and the cards that are actually lessons i just don't see the, the learn cards specifically are all just kind of terrible they're usually just like two ones enter the battlefield and learn or you know draw a card and learn for three mm. mana or something like that i i don't know i'm i'm not sold on the fact that you'd have to run at least if you're running four slots in your main deck of cards that learn uh and then you're running however many slots in your sideboard as lessons as well you probably need like to answer every situation how many lessons do you need in your sideboard and how much of your sideboard do you need to give up um, because with the new rules the rule change with Strixhaven as well is in best of one your sideboard can only be seven cards yep. um, and so if you're running seven lessons that doesn't feel like a whole lot um, just because you know previous lists like uh, Team of Adventures would run 13 out of 15 of their sideboards which is one of and then run like two negates or something mm -hmm. um yeah, it's it's hard to evaluate how how many lessons are actually gonna be worth replacing a slot in your sideboard for. I, I think it is hard to evaluate, notoriously so. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the way that I'm thinking about it is let's look at uh... so Bone Crusher Giant is is a powerful card because you get both sides of it. Mm -hmm. But the prerequisite is that you have to cast Stomp first, mm -hmm. and then you have to cast the creature. What if it was the other way around? What if you had to cast the creature first, and only by doing that do you get access to Stomp? Would that still be good? Would that still be as powerful? Or less powerful? That'd or... be less powerful. It'd be less powerful because you don't have Stomp on turn two, as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I feel like that's what Learn is. Yes, the creature is... Um, most of the creatures that have Learn are not super impressive, but then nor is uh, Brazen Borrower itself nor is Fae of Wishes by itself. Mm. The power in them is that they have that adventure side attached to them. And it is similar to adventure, just the other way around. With adventures, you have to cast the instant or sorcery, and then you get you can cast the creature. With the learn, you have to cast the creature, and then you get access to the instant or sorcery. Uh, the difference is that it's kind of just like the mana cost is flipped around. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, Petty Theft and Stomp are two mana, 
and their creatures attached to them are three mana. With learn, a lot of the creatures are two mana, and then a lot of the learn cards are overcosted. You, you want to play them later in the game. Mm. That that's what's key. Like stomp, of course, you want available on turn two. But what if there was a, a an ability attached to Bone Crusher Giant that cost more mana, but was still very effective? What if it had Shatter Skull Smashing on the other side, as an example? Um, would Bone Crusher Giant be worth playing if it was? Uh, Bone Crusher Giant on the adventure card and Shatter Skull Smashing on it. I mean, that's a really complex card. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, card building oh. in my head right now. Yeah. Uh, so my point is that some of the lessons, you know, they're okay. They they have perfectly fine effects. Actually, speaking of Shatter Skull Smashing, um, MDFCs are another good comparison. All mm. of the modal dual face cards that are lands on one side and a spell on the other have a tapped land. On, well, not all of them, but uh, yeah. a tapped land on one side, which is worse than an untapped land, of course, uh, and an overcosted spell on the other side. Both sides of the card are inherently weaker than what else is available uh, from the card pool. But when you put them together, when playing one gives you access to both, they're much more powerful. Um, and MDFCs are everywhere. They're like yeah. they they see a lot of play, mm. um, like uh, even some of the weaker ones like Palaka Predation. I've seen uh, lists running Palaka Predation, uh, and Jawari Disruption is you know categorically a worse counter spell than some of the other ones that are available in standard, uh, but it, it will see play because of that flexibility. It's it's just you know it, it's it, it's having access to an extra card. Learn I think is even better than that. Because it's like you you play a creature and then you get to pick what you need and just put it into your hand. If you think you're going to need a removal spell, find one. If you think you're going to need a ramp spell, find one. Um, I, I can see learn being really, really powerful. Mm. Uh, and I can see it definitely being played in standard. I think that it, I could be wrong, but we've seen a pattern of these scenarios where you play one card and effectively get another card like access to it or you draw it or whatever um and we've seen that be underestimated time and time again and then it come into standard and it takes standard by storm uh i think there is room for learn to do that i think there is room for learn okay. to come in and be, and be heavily played because it's flexible well this, this is the thing i feel like the the whole point that you make about the dual phase cards and the adventure spells being efficient, the reason they're efficient is because they're effectively two cards in only four slots of your main deck. Mm -hmm. You need to play four Bone Crusher Giants and you get four Stomps and four Bone Crusher Giants. Yep. That's efficient. With Learn, you're putting four of the card in your main deck and then you need however many in the sideboard as well. Yeah. If anything, it's the opposite. It kind of contrasts to, same with dual phase cards, you've You've got two spells on there which you can play, but you only need to run four of them in the main deck, and you get access to both spells. But in, on the contrary, you run four learn cards, and you have to put extra slots out of your sideboard. You have to use an extra resource. Yeah. In that sense, so I don't know. I, I like imagine if Stomp was you. You have to put the card in your deck, and you have to put four Bone Crusher Giants in your sideboard, mm -hmm. and then you Stomp, and then you get the Bone Crusher Giant. Yeah, that's, so that's slightly weaker, of course, because yeah. you're taking up space in your sideboard. Way more weaker. That's the thing. But the thing is, so with four Bone Crusher Giants, like you said, you have four Stomps and four Bone Crusher Giants. Let's say you're playing a deck with 
two play sets of creatures that have learn. That's eight learn cards. Mm-hmm. That's effectively eight of like eight copies of whichever lesson you need most. Which mm-hmm. is pretty powerful. You know, imagine eight, eight copies to choose to the lesson. Not just the lesson outright. Because you can't just cast the lesson. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you get... Yeah, that, that is eight chances in your deck to, to find an answer that you need. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, the, the power in Bonecrusher Giant is its flexibility. I think if you had eight cards, let's say you had seven cards in your in your best of one sideboard that were all seven different lessons that you could mm-hmm. cast, uh, then you've got eight shots in your deck to cast a creature which lets you draw exactly... Which lets you draw a relevant spell that you want to draw. And I think that is powerful. Okay. But we, yeah. we will see. We, we will, will see. see. Yeah. And I, I just think right now, I think I can agree that learn as a mechanic and lessons as a mechanic are good, but the cards we have seen are just too poor quality. They are they are definitely like lacklusterish mm. effects and they are heavily costed. I, I think it's not about the mechanic that makes them bad. It's just the cards themselves. If the mechanic was printed on slightly better cards, then definitely I think they would see play. But... The cards that we've been given mm-hmm. with learn and lesson on them, I just don't think are very good. So do you think, uh, of course, everybody thinks that Adventure was a little too powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people would also agree that the MDFCs are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that maybe learn is a little underpowered because it's trying to find that sweet spot where it's a powerful mechanic, but it's not broken. You know, It's not going to be dominating the format. Uh, a year and a half after it's released, like Adventures have. I don't think so. I think it's a powerful mechanic that's printed on bad cards. Yeah. And if it were to return in another set with good cards, then maybe it would be really good. But I just don't see a way of these cards being broken, just because mm-hmm. they're just... And, and like, it depends on the landscape of Standard. And after rotation, obviously so much power level is going to rotate, and Eldrain's going to rotate, and the power level will drop massively. But I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, but as of, as of right now, I just don't think they're strong enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to edit this bit. <laughs> Or um, maybe not. We'll maybe put not. It on the end. Could be a blooper. <laughs> if it is, hello. Thanks for getting not. to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the ending sorted. <laughs>